Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of Royals Review Radio. If you're listening to us now, hopefully you got a chance to listen to the Royals Farm Report ep- uh, version of this podcast first. If you are listening now and did not listen to the most recent episode of RFR podcast, stop listening. Go over there, listen to that first, because this is going to be like an hour and a half long podcast. We're going to pick up here from where we left off the minor league st- minor league talk, and we're going to jump right into it. So, uh, really quick, I am joined tonight by my co-host Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how we doing this evening? Hey, I'm. I've been watching Jackson Coar tonight, so I'm feeling pretty good. Also tonight by Joel Penfield. He followed me over from the RFR podcast. He's going to help us out, continue this conversation. Uh, we are also joined tonight by Josh Kaiser, former host of the Clearing Waivers podcast. One of my favorite shows uh, that I listen to on a weekly basis for a long time. It was like something like 80 episodes you guys ended up recording. Legitimately one of my favorite shows. So I'm really glad Josh is uh, joining us tonight. Josh, how we doing, man? Doing swell. Uh, how could I not after that uh, that intro? I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you know you enjoyed the podcast and uh, we got we had a lot of fun making it and uh, just glad to hear anybody get, enjoyed it. So uh, I appreciate those kind of words. Absolutely, man. So uh, Josh and Jeremy weren't with us when we recorded the RFR version of the podcast. We just got done talking about how all these guys fit in, and I want to go. We're going to go box by box here. You guys are going to tell me. If you guys could build a bats-only lineup, we're only taking bats in the system, and you have to take the nine best hitters and find a place for them on the field, position be damned, where we're going to go. So, Jeremy, I'm going to start with you. You give me your opening day lineup in 2022. We're not paying attention to defense. I don't care how good these guys are defensively. In the system right now, the nine best bats you would want to see. And and you can go ahead and consider, like, future value. So, like, if you want to start Carlos Santana because he's under contract, you may as well see what you got for a little bit. That's fine. But don't worry about the defense. Just the nine bats you want to see in the opening day lineup 2022. All right. So I'm going to start with Salvador Perez because he is somehow a fine wine instead of a baseball player. He just gets better as he ages. I don't get it. Um, but I love it. I absolutely love it. Everyone like a couple years ago was talking Salvador Perez hall of fame. And I'm like, are you guys looking at the same catcher I'm looking at? Like, he's good. He, I'm not, I'm not saying cut him, but hall of fame. And now all of a sudden I'm like, "Mm, hall of fame doesn't seem that unreasonable. All right. So Salvador Perez, and then I'm going to take Adalberto Mondesi because you didn't say to account for injury. And when the dude's in the lineup, the dude at the last calendar year and a half, when he's in the lineup, he helps. So, so I'm putting him in there. 
Uh, Nicky Lopez has done enough for me. I'm going to put him in there. Whit Merrifield has been hot lately, so I'll put him in there. Um, Bobby Witt Jr., I think, has shown enough in AAA. I'm going to buy into him. Uh, especially uh, this, you know, you can, you can say that's a lack of depth at the major league level, or you can say Bobby Wood Jr. is really good. It's somewhere in between. Um, but for that matter, I think I'm going to go ahead and take Nick Prado and MJ Melendez and put them in this lineup. How many does that give me? I think that's seven. That's seven. I can't, I was at seven or eight. I lost track in the middle there. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I get for not organizing my thoughts at all. Um, <laughs> we'll call that seven. So I got to find two more. Um, I'm going to give Hunter Dozier. He's got the contract. I'm going to give him another shot. See if he can, see if he can stop being hurt long enough. Well, you're like, hey, you, maybe you find out how much, I don't care how much Carlos Santana is worth anymore. I, he has been so bad since the all-star break. I don't care. Hunter Dozier was legitimately hot for like a month a month and a half and i want to see if he can just start fresh in 2021 and find something and then my last guy oh gosh who am i gonna put out there not o'hearn not alberto uh benintendi's not been good i'm gonna i'm gonna go edward Olivares. <laughs> or, may, or um uh, what's his face the, the lefty that they started the year with uh isbell i'll go isbell while you were talking adalberto Mondesi hit a ball that was going into the fountains <laughs> this dude literally is very bonds when he's healthy <laughs> he's just never healthy oh my gosh that was right except on the he, he's young barry bonds because he steals all the bases <laughs> and he doesn't walk so where are you putting him in your lineup, Jeremy? Where's he playing for you? Is he playing oh, center gosh. field? Is he playing second base? Is he catching for you? See, I wasn't. I wasn't supposed to have to think of the positions. Yeah, that was the at this point I'm somewhere. Gonna, I just said, I'm don't gonna, worry about their defense. Yeah, at this point, well. I'm going to put him in center field because what the heck do I have to lose? I need somebody in center field. He's fast. He's athletic. Let's do it. I I, I don't necessarily think it will keep him healthy, but I don't have a better place to put him. I, I don't have anything to argue with. I don't I don't know where else you put him. I don't know what you do to keep him healthy. Maybe you burn some sage and hope the demons go away. Uh, <laughs> Josh Kaiser will flip over to you. Give me your nine hitters for the opening day lineup and tell me where they're playing. Well, we got the Tom Brady of baseball and Salvi Perez, as, as Jeremy <laughs> kind of pointed out there. Uh, Tom Brady is in my lineup. I got old Witty Merrifield. He's obviously the, the, iron, the iron horse. Iron Man. Uh, Nikki Lopez has done enough to, to earn a spot in mine as well. Uh, a lot of crow to eat on him this year, by the way. I, uh, I got a whole helping of crow to, to scarf down this offseason. Um, Mondi, obviously, flavor of, of the moment, the minute, I guess, until he gets injured again. Health be damned, let's go. Mondesi till I die, I think, is, uh, is my new motto. Carlos Santana in my lineup. I think uh, I think we got to give him more time. He was super hot in that first uh, the first half. He was everything you could have wanted, and then then he wasn't <laughs> for whatever reason. The switch flipped, and uh, uh, what was his second half OPS plus? It's like thirty six, something like that. Not great. Um, so, but I, I'm still gonna let him get that shot at that uh, primary DH spot. Keep that in mind as well. Also going Bobby Witt Jr. and Melendez, and I'm putting Melendez 
at third base because let's go let's just do this if, if we're going to start and play and experimenting with things like that in Omaha let's just do it let's just do he it had, for real he had that great highlight there last night it almost ate him up though did it almost ate him up <laughs> he almost <laughs> got under a little too much but I mean that's he could play anywhere people talking about corner outfield spots for him as well he's athletic let's get it done and uh let's figure out where to put him in my lineup I like him a third um I guess six or seven Dozier coming on down. He's going to get a first round, a first shot to keep that job. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll see how, how, uh, how much we cut bait. I will say he still can be optioned and I'm everybody wanted him to be sent down to Omaha this year. He still got that option. He can't deny it yet. Um, so I, I mean, if he doesn't win the job in spring training or early next season, Send him down. Send him that absolutely, last option. Absolutely. He needs another shot to try to figure that out, either through the offseason, through spring training. And if that's not going to work, then send him to Omaha to figure it out. Um, give him one more shot. You already paid him. That money's gone. It's not a lot. It's not going to be crippling. Um, it's not going to be damning to this franchise. I think I saw they have sixty-four, about $64 million to a 26-man roster next year, uh, including that money. So if you have to eat $26 million over four years, whatever it's it's not going to kill them they're going to be cheap for the next four or five years so um i'm, I'm in a given dozier another shot and uh to earn a spot i don't know where i'm putting them it could be literally anywhere at that point so um center field anyone center field <laughs> let's do it let's get oh, crazy <laughs> I, I guess we're going to go with kyle isbell uh, i love that guy I know you guys have said multiple times on this podcast that you're not sure he can where he can play his center field in Kauffman Stadium, but he's my guy. I'm gonna ride with uh, Isbell. I love the defense regardless. I, I you guys are better equipped to tell me he can he can't play center field in Kauffman, but if we need to play him center field at like road games where it's in band boxes, I'm in. Just give me Kyle Isbell on that roster and uh, let's go. So I think that's nine. Yeah, that's nine. I I had nine there as well. Perfect. Um, you are going to love, you're going to love my defensive alignment, by the way. I cannot mm. wait to get to it now. You, cause now you got me thinking. So Joel, give me your nine really quick. Tell me where they're playing. And then I'm going to hit you with your favorite defensive lineman you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> so I got Salvi, but I have Salvi DHing because I'm, I don't like watching him catch. He infuriates the hell out of me because framing is what it is. And now if they go back to it, if they go to an automated strike zone, put him behind the plate, because I don't care because all of the things that make him terrible behind the plate at that point really don't matter. Joel, I, the, I love you. And you make some really good points. And like, you're, I don't know that you've ever really had a bad take. This is by far your worst take. <laughs> but, and if that's my worst take, there are worse takes out there. That's I mean, fine. I'm, I'm over here nodding in agreement. I'm like, that makes sense. I buy that. You guys are going to – your mentions are going to blow up tomorrow. Eh, whatever. At JT Penfield. I'm, sl- hey, I'm not slandering the man. I want him in the lineup. That, this is a bat-only lineup to begin with anyways. Mm-hmm. Whit Merrifield, second base. Bobby Wood Jr. at third. Nick Prado, put him in right field, left field. I don't care. Just boom, I think he can play corner. Melendez behind the plate. Vinny Pasquantino at first mm. because the dude just hits mm. like he do, he doesn't know anything but not hitting a baseball and he doesn't strike out and he doesn't swing and miss and he's got enough power that you can put him in the middle of your order and you can thump middle and of the order let's go he, he can't I mean you put put him five six why the hell not like oh my hit. he's he's gonna hit like and the fact that you have two really good left-handed mashing first baseman, it's been so long since the Royals have had a dude that is just a legit left-handed power hitter. 
it's been a long time. And you have two of those guys now with Prado and, uh, and Vinny, and they're not like world beaters are going to hit 35, 40 bombs a year, but they're, they're quality enough that you put those dudes in the lineup and they're just going to hit. Joe, you must have forgotten about Ryan O'Hearn. <laughs> you forget he had that place, one huh? like 50 game stretch in 2018 where sure he was semi decent. All right. And then I got Nikki. I mean, the dude just provides so much value defensively at shortstop. But the fact that his on base percentage is now higher than I think any, I think he leads the team in on base, he leads the team in F4. He's so good defensively. It just it makes a ton of sense. Mondesi, I'm putting him in center. Just why not? You have to get him in the lineup. Like when he is healthy, he's so good. And then Kyle Bell. Okay. You're going to love this. So I'm going to start with the, uh, the easy ones and we're going to, we're going to work our way out of this. So Salvi's catching. I got Salvador Perez. He's catching um, batting probably fourth or fifth in my lineup. Uh, I'm with Joel. I'm putting um, actually, no, not with Joel on that one. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino is going to be my DH. Bobby Wood Jr. is playing third base for me. Adalberto Mondes, he's playing shortstop. Andrew Benintendi, I'm going to let play left field because I think there's at least a small chance he recoups some of the value for you. I did not figure you to be the Benintendi apologist here. Didn't you boo Jeremy there? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't pick Benintendi because I've been listening to Alex too much. (laughs) <laughs> he's under contract and he did this this is like a fantasy draft he did this just to get me he's like benedicti sucks but it, and then he takes him and puts him in his lineup that's bait that's bait is what that is <laughs> so benedicti's playing left field um oh yeah i forgot to make an amendment to this i don't oh, have first baseman yet right caveat no you didn't or wait Pascantino i don't first base pascantino's the dh yeah okay so nicky lopez playing second I feel like I forgot to. You don't have first base, center field, or right field. That's right. Here's here's why. So, Nicky Lopez is playing second base. Uh, Kyle Isbell is playing center. Okay. Whit Merrifield is going to play right. Nick Prado is playing first. But somehow I had it figured out where we were going to have a rover. We're going to slow pitch softball it. And so – we're going to super shift everybody so that Kyle Isbell can play center manage like in a meaningful way. And so every time we shift, we're either going to yank Nicky Lopez and send him and ro- put him in Rover, or we're going to send Mondi out to the outfield and let him Rover around. Hmm. So I am actually going to put Witt in the outfield with Benintendi and Isbell. And even though we have the worst defensive outfield in all of major league baseball, we're going to have a rover. We're going to have four or three and a half outfielders every single time to make up for the lack of any kind of meaningful defense in the outfield. So that might actually be the worst defensive outfield in all of Major League Baseball if they did something like that. And the crazy thing is I think it could happen. Like I think there's a world where Isbell, Merrifield, and Benintendi wind up in the same outfield at some point next year and God Almighty, that'd be atrocious. Like, <laughs> Isbell, I think, could win a gold glove in the corners. He, I don't think he can handle center field at the K. Like, he might be able to handle center, center field if you go play in Cincinnati for a series. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to have a full-time rover. So, between Nicky Lopez and Adalberto Mondesi, 
we are going to have full-time Rover with three infielders and four outfielders kind of shifting back and forth. So, so that makes you the lone Melendez denier as well. You're not going to put him in your lineup anywhere. He's going to be on the bench. I've got a, or, or if not on the bench starting in Omaha, I've got a really short leash with Andrew Benintendi. As soon as he shows me, he's not going to turn it around. MJ Melendez is going to left field. Yes, let's. That'll improve the defense. Sure, defense Rover. It's gonna, gonna piss Singer and Keller off, and their ground ball tendencies. They're gonna get pissed right off. <laughs> Joel has his hand up like my one of my high school students. <laughs> when there's four people on a Zoom that are all talking over each other, I figured it was the the modest thing to do. I just like to inform everyone that Zach freaking Hample caught Mondesi's home run ball. Is that, that was the Zach foul Hample? ball guy. Yeah, I wonder. He had an MLB hat on, and I already hated him. He caught the he caught the ball before it got to the fountains, well, and now I'm just angry. Now, now I'm just angry. <laughs> so can Zach Hample play center field? There you go. <laughs> we pay him in foul balls. Who else? Who else has better like readings of where people are going to hit baseballs than that guy? He don't even have to be fast. He's just going to get there before the ball is ever hit. He's the Rusty Koontz of fans. <laughs> So I'm serious. I would play MJ Melendez in left field before I ran out. Hunter Dozier, Carlos Santana, Ryan O'Hearn, Hanser Alberto. I would let MJ Melendez play center field before I ran any of those guys out there for any reason in 2022. They could all go sit on the bench or go play for Omaha for all that I care. But I would legitimately put MJ Melendez somewhere in the outfield with a rover then play Ryan O'Hearn another at bat. I don't think you're going to have to worry about O'Hearn anymore. I think he's I think he's gone after this year. I think he's arbitration eligible after this, right? So they'll just not tender him. Surely. What 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 else would be the purpose at this point? I mean, seriously. And usually we say, "Oh, the guy in the minor leagues could be better." I would bet my house that if you brought Vinny Pasquantino up for September, by the end of the month, he would have a better WRC plus than O'Hearn over the last three seasons. I would guarantee it. I'd bet my house on it. He is already, as a 23-year-old in AA, a better option than Ryan O'Hearn would be at anything. What about in a Ryan O'Hearn lookalike contest? <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> maybe, maybe not that. I don't know. I don't, yeah. maybe, like, and it, it's not like it's a real high bar to clear, but he might be a better right fielder than Vinny. But I also, I don't know. I read uh, a story one time. There was a uh, a small university in Tennessee, like maybe a JUCO. Oh, Michael A. Taylor dropped it. Oh, Oh, why would you do that? There's like a small university in Tennessee. And the the teacher, the professor assigns an assignment that was basically like some kind of a paper that was meant to be over like Frederick Douglass and somebody turned in a paper written by Frederick Douglass and got like a C plus. <laughs> that would be, that would be right. That's how bad Ryan O'Hearn is at baseball. He'd show up to a Ryan O'Hearn lookalike contest and get like fourth. <laughs> Apparently it's five doing it. It's pretty common for celebrities to do that. <laughs> I know I read Dolly Parton took second place at a Dolly Parton lookalike contest. I know I saw that about Robert Downey Jr. Didn't he 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 and Hugh Jackman were a couple other names I saw that participated in the lookalike contest and did not win. Hmm. Who in the royal system looks most like George Brett? Could we fool anybody into thinking we have George Brett to play third base? 
You mean like physical features? Sure. What if they just what if they just go to the Bellagio and like <laughs> do their thing? They don't look like him, they just act like him. Would that be enough? Best steak dinner of my life. One of these days, I'm going to tell the George Brett story or my George Brett story on the podcast. Today is not that day. One of these days, I'm going to tell that story on the podcast because it was the most. Today might be that day. I don't know. I've I've gotten no sleep over the last four weeks. Today might just be that day. Here it is. Here it comes. I'm going to tell the story on podcast. (laughs) Two years ago, I really should. I'm going to get in trouble. A few years ago, George Brett is going on the Dan Patrick show. And um, the his people wanted to, like, set up interviews. Or maybe it was Dan Patrick's people. But, like, they set up the interview through Royals Review so that we could get on and interview George Brett to, to kind of create some, some excitement for his appearance in the Dan Patrick show. And so Max emails me and goes, hey, do you want to interview George Brett? I was like, are you kidding? Like, is that a joke? Like, of course I do. Mr. Freaking hero, man. Um. And so I get, I get on the phone and I'm, I got to call him at like 10 a.m. Right. So it's, or maybe it was 10 a.m. his time. So it was like, it's like noon. We're in Missouri. Pretty sure the story I remember is he's playing golf. He's on the tee box in California when I call him. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's not the most important part of the story. So I call George Brett. Like I am calling George Brett's cell phone. I saved that number, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he picks up the phone and he has absolutely no idea who it is. That's fine. I get it. And so I explained to him who I am. I explained to him who I'm with. And the next words out of his mouth are, is that one of those effing blogging websites? <laughs> uh, no, sir. This is a journalistic website. <laughs> I was like, what? How do you respond to that? Like your people set up an interview with, that effing blogging website, George, like I was supposed to call you. It's not even like, I mean, this is you. We didn't set this up, George. We aren't excited about you being on Dan Patrick's show. Dan Patrick's excited about you being on Dan Patrick's show. Dan Patrick wanted everybody in Kansas city to know who you were going to be on Dan Patrick's show. And so we're having this interview. And that was like, um, that was my introduction to my childhood hero. Cause my dad wouldn't ever stop talking about George Brett growing up. So that was uh, never meet your heroes. No, that's like the living embodiment of that. I, I think we're going off the rail. Should we, should we rein it back in a hair? <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you next. By the time I met John Gruden at a Florida bathroom, oh, it was a bathroom. Was it a Hooters? next to John Gruden? Yeah, be a Hooters. <laughs> no, I peed next to John Gruden in the airport. Mm. That was the other. That's the only other celebrity I've ever met. I, he wasn't like that's my a, hero though, so I didn't mind meeting him. That's a good flow, man. That's a good that's flow. A, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's the banana from Spider Two Y Banana. Hey man, oh that's boy, great flow, great flow. Okay, so let's. I think Joel might be right. Let's get back to uh, some semblance of modern day baseball. In all seriousness, the Royals have pitching for days, and and I know we're excited with the young pitching right now. Jackson Coar. If Michael A. Taylor, by the way, Michael A. Taylor went a long way to get to that baseball. Oh, yeah. so the fact that he dropped it is kind of not his. I mean, Coar deserved to give up a double there, two runs. But Jackson Coar was a squeezed glove away from five shutout innings here against Cleveland. Daniel Lynch has been outstanding. Carlos Hernandez has been outstanding. Chris Bubich has shown flashes of having really good ability to pitch in the big leagues. 
Brady Singer has shown really good flashes of ability to pitch in the big leagues. There is a really – and Brad Keller, when he's healthy, has been really good for the last couple months. There's a really good reason that Royals fans are excited about the young pitching. I don't think the average Royals fan understands how many more of these pitchers are coming. <laughs> You'll have Alec Marsh in Omaha next year, Jonathan Bolin, Austin Cox, Drew Parrish, Asa Lacey will be double-A, triple-A at some point. You've legitimately got a stable of arms coming, and even if they're not quite as talented as this group, like Austin Cox is got like a 3.1 ERA, maybe a 3.01 ERA over the last two seasons I just saw. Like these guys legitimately are good pitching prospects, even if they're not quite the level of a Daniel Lynch, Carlos Hernandez. You're just going to keep having pitching coming. And it's, and it's to the point now where if you're Brady Singer in 2022 and you got a five ERA on June 1st, you're going to the bullpen because somebody's going to come take your job. Like you're not going to have a six man rotation forever. And you're not going to be allowed to have a five ERA forever. I don't, I don't mean to suggest that Brady Singer will do that or anything. But that's the luxury you have if you're the Royals. Um, Josh, I'm going to start with you this time. Are you most excited about the possibility of the Royals having five legitimate homegrown starters or the idea that they could have a whole homegrown pitching staff and then be able to allocate those resources to hopefully go pay up? Are you, are you under the impression they could buy a really big-time center fielder this offseason? Um, to answer your question, Yes, both. I want both of those things, and I can't wait for the feeling of both of those things because once you do have that flexibility, not only is it homegrown talent to kind of prove that this organization can draft and develop pitchers, uh, but you also get that freedom of flexibility that we are talking that you're talking about. You can go buy a Starling Marte or something like that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, just spitballing here. Would you give him three, four? what 18 million dollars a year yeah i'd do that probably i mean he's doing he's done nothing but show out in center field at the, and at the plate so why not go get starling Marte? the other part about that is is pitching is the currency of baseball we've been told and boys i got some uh, candidates that i'd like to unload some of this pitching to go get one of these upside center field additions are you ready for those i am let's do it I think oh, Alex, I've talked to you about it. And I've talked. I know you talked about it on Twitter and probably on here. But Taylor, Trem- or uh, I always, <laughs> I always say his name wrong. Trammell. Taylor Trammell. Yep. Um, damn you, Alan Trammell. You just ruined it for Taylor. Um, go get me I some. Same go, thing. Yeah. Go get me some Taylor Trammell. I'd be interested in that. Maybe give up a, a little bit of something, something for him. Maybe go see if the Braves were interested in giving up either uh, Drew Waters or Christian Pache. I'm into that idea. I think either one of those could potentially run roam around the center field. How about Victor Robles in Washington? He can't hit the ball, but he's 24 years old. Former top, top what, five prospect. Very good defensive glove. Got wheels for days. Uh, go see if they're still rebuilding and see if uh, Robles is not in the cards. He's going to hit arbitration next year, start getting expensive. So, uh, maybe they're itching, itching to get Robles off their roster. How about Brandon Nemo? Nemo, Nemo. I like his on-base percentage. I like his defensive uh, averageness. <laughs> he's he's capable of playing center field. Uh, pretty good base runner as well. So Brandon Nemo's also. And as much as I don't want it, but I feel like Harrison Bader would be on their radar as well out in center field. Uh, really good glove out in center field in St. Louis. And uh, he's got some pop with some wheels as well. So maybe they'd be interested in Harrison Bader. He's a free agent in a couple years as well. So there's only a couple of seasons of control. 
feel like that would be a solid uh, matchup as well. But what's really going to happen, what's going to happen, is we're going to try to convince Michael A. Taylor to come back to center field. If I had to bet my mortgage on anything right now, it's that Michael A. Taylor will be in center field at opening day in 2022. I have a feeling about that, but it's all about the pitching that kind of makes the uh, uh, the question able to be asked at that point. So, yeah, I, I'm very excited for it. I think we've all been waiting for it, and it's, it's really exciting to kind of see them starting to scratch the surface. And really, like you said, this isn't even all of them. So I, I'm anxious to see what the rest of them got. Give me Johnny Bolin. Give me Johnny Bolin. Go. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bet with you, Josh. Mm-hmm. I have a. Michael A. Tater shirt from Glory Days helped okay. uh, Kyle over there design the flying potato for Michael A. Tater. Um, if Michael A. Taylor is on the opening day roster in 2022, I will buy us tickets to one of the first home games, like one of the first 10 home games we'll go to the game. Okay. If he starts the game that we go to, so if he's starting in center field for one of the first 10 games, I will wear that shirt to the game and then take it off and sit at the game shirtless the entire time Michael A. Tater's in the game. Oh, my God. Can we can we marker if, if for some reason he's back? not – oh, it'll be – it's live. If for some reason he's not on the roster and not starting, you sit there with your shirt off for the entire game. Oh, sweet Jesus. I don't know if we need to uh, subject the people at Kauffman Stadium to that, but I'm in. Let's do it. Deal. I'm glad you're that confident because I am that confident that if Michael A. Taylor is it's not going to be because he is starting in center field. He might make a couple starts in center field, but I would, I would seriously, I would bet anything that they understand. Look, it can't be Michael A. Taylor and Hunter Dozier and Ryan O'Hearn and Carlos Santana and Andrew Benintendi. You can't have all of these worthless hitters in the same lineup and like try to convince people that you're going to compete. It won't work. You have got to go do something different. And I think the different is going to be they're going to ball out, get themselves a center fielder, and then try to roll with all these other guys because they've got them under control. Um, so, I, God almighty, I hope you're wrong. Because Michael A. Taylor is starting center fielder with Andrew Benintendi and left and Hunter Dozier somewhere in the opening day lineup. I'm going to, um, like burn a lineup card on Main Street or something in protest. <laughs> that would there was not much that would piss me off more than for Benintendi, Dozier, Santana, and Mike Lay Taylor all to be in the opening day lineup next year. Well, here's the thing about center field next year: the free agents next year are JBJ, Delino DeShields Jr., Lurie Garcia, Billy Hamilton, Odubel Herrera, unless they pick up the, his option. Ender Inciarte, Jake Marisnik, Kevin Pilar, Danny Santana, and Mike Lay Taylor. Who 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 of that? proverbial who's who are you really excited to go get ender ncr no <laughs> he might have been the worst one of them all <laughs> i i don't know i think josh whoa i think josh low in tampa bay is a great option like i don't know that they're inclined to move him but can we can we package like eight prospects together to go get him <laughs> trade alec marsh and jonathan bolin and austin cox and see if they'll throw you a bone yeah. I mean, the, the the answer can't be Joe Schmo in center field again. Like, yeah. there has to be something different that they can do because what they're running out there right now isn't just not good. It's bad. Yeah. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, no, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Joel, who's your center fielder next year? Like, if you could, if you could handpick a reasonable option, so not Mike Trout, but like an available reasonable option in center field who are you going with honestly i'm very intrigued by christian pache i don't know what that deal would look like mm-hmm. but dude's about as elite in center field as it gets which the the royals put a premium on they will go defense over bat in center field and i'm cool with that but then give me the like and go get him early like get him like december one and then just let Drew say, then just put him in a batting cage with Drew Saylor and Alex Zumwalt for three months and retool that swing, get it figured out. And you have a damn good center fielder for the next four plus years, at least. Because I, I don't even think he has, I don't even think he's taken up one full year of control yet because he played no a lot in the playoffs last year. So yeah. you have a center fielder for four or five years. Now it's going to be a heavy price. But I think it's worth it because having a, a good center fielder, especially an elite defensive center fielder in Kauffman Stadium is so important. And I they do point out he's got a <laughs> he's got a negative seven weighted runs created plus this year. So if you're if you're a Royals fan listening to this, why would they trade Patchy? He's top prospect, blah, blah. <laughs> he's been negative seven, not seven, not 77, <laughs> negative seven weighted runs created plus. That means like somehow at the plate, he has taken runs off the board. <laughs> He's been so bad. He's so, so, bad. Good at, <laughs> He's so good at defense that he runs out. He runs up on the scoreboard and literally takes the numbers off of the board. He robbed Freddie Freeman of a home run. <laughs> yes. Yep. He tackled. Yeah. He tackled Freddie Freeman when he was in his home run trot. <laughs> That's not at all what that number means, but that man in 22 games, he only played in 22 games and almost managed to be worth a full negative one F war. So, and he hit a home run. So like you're already like in plus territory. So I don't know how, I don't know how you could be that bad and, and, you know, still get playing time. He has actually turned some things around in triple a he's been an above average league above league average hitter in triple a. His strikeouts are still a problem, but he's walking a little more. He's not – I mean, he would basically be a younger Michael A. Taylor. with. So what you'd be getting is a chance at least for plus offensive production at some point in his career. Younger, fresher legs, a better arm in center field. So you're getting – the defender Michael A. Taylor is – he may not be as good offensively, which is I get saying something, but like Joel said, man, 22 years old, he'll be 23 on opening day. And with what Drew Saylor has done to this young group of hitters the Royals have, I've seen him take much worse than a 105 weighted runs created plus a triple A and turn it into way better. Um, so 
I'm with Joel. If you can find a reclamation project, or who who brought up Victor Robles? Was that you, Josh? Yeah. I mean, go get somebody like that. Put them in a cage. Put a brick on their ankle. Put a <laughs> cement nail into the ground. Don't let them leave. It's like you're going to sleep standing up until you figure out how to hit a fastball, kid. Um, and, and just see what happens. Association is going to have an issue with that. I, be better. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. You don't like it. Be better. Be a the better only, hitter. The only thing about those reclamation projects that I might have an issue with is you can you can contend with one or two holes in the lineup, but at this point there are multiple holes in the lineup is what you really think they're going to try it out in that lineup. So that's the only kind of you know downside to getting some of those reclamation projects. Yeah, they have upside for days, but I do kind of wonder about. Um, them sustaining any offensive success with any of those guys, you know, trying to work through their issues. But other than that, I'm in, I'm in big time on the upside. Jeremy, you got any thoughts on center field that we haven't talked about already? I, I don't hate the idea of Michael Taylor being the starting center fielder next year. The thing is that if they do that, then, then as you said, you can't also have Ben and Dozier, Santana, you can't, he has to be the one hole in your lineup. He has to be the number nine hitter and he has to deserve it. And, and that's the only way that works. Um, I like his defense. I like his speed. I like his occasional power. So I, if based on the free agent class that we're talking about, like that, I don't know how you do that much better. Now, if you can go trade for somebody, you can send two or three, of these pr- pitching prospects. Cause even if you send two or three of them, you've got, you've got so many left over. Cause we didn't even mention some guys like Daniel Tillo and, uh, and, and Ronald Bolaños that are both hurt right now and could still, uh, they've, they've shown some flashes of being really good. Like this isn't just going to be, they don't just have enough pitchers right now for a rotation. They have enough pitchers that we can say, bye-bye Greg Holland. Bye-bye Wade Davis. And, and fill out a bullpen, and maybe you don't have any, you know, vintage Greg Hall and vintage Wade Davis, um, but you've got, you've got, they've got so many guys that they could, they could really just have a decent bullpen, just by trial and error, just by throwing all of them at it until they figure out who can stick. Um, so they can afford to trade three, four pitching prospects if they can find somebody who's got a center fielder that will take just a whole boatload of pitching prospects for him. I just want to point out that while you were talking about Michael A. Taylor hitting ninth, he is hitting fifth at the Royals lineup tonight. That won't work. That will way, is there anybody I'm I'm drawing a blank. Is anybody hurt? Are they missing any hitters right now? Mondesi's back. Yeah, I don't I think, think so. They're at full strength, and the man is hitting fifth in their lineup. I agree with what you said. He can't be that. Like, he's got to hit eighth or ninth. Like, if you think you can put Mondesi in the two-hole, put Bicky, Nicky back at ninth, and roll Michael A. Taylor as your eight-hole, like, okay. But he can't, for any reason, ever have to hit fifth in a big league lineup anymore. I mean, this is this is atrocious. And somehow the Royals have three runs. Because Adalberto Mondesi is back and looks like freaking Barry Bonds. I mean, I, I don't understand. He like I tweeted. He feels like a fourth dimension. It's like something we can't even like comprehend because we haven't actually experienced it yet. Maybe our brains aren't physically able to comprehend what is going on. 
what about what if Alberto Mondesi is actually an alien, like a literal alien, and he's not getting hurt all the time? They're just like having to to sequester him away so that the government doesn't find out like that they're employing water, like... a literal being from another planet. Yeah, <laughs> it is weird that there hasn't been at least not many Royals guys that can le- legitimately take over a ball game and do everything. He can I mean, score all the runs in a game and you'd be like, yeah, that's what he do. This is, this is why they've, they've tried so hard with him. This is why he made that lineup. What was it in 2017? He made the opening day lineup when he was not ready. Um, th- this is why, this is why they keep sending him out there. This is why when he spends the whole year hurt, they still, as soon as he's not hurt, he's back in the starting lineup. Because this is what he can do. And I mean, this it's it's nice to see, you know, at least the Royals are right for once. <laughs> Maybe he can't stay healthy, but at least they don't look stupid for having tried as hard as they possibly can to get him on the field. Are you saying now, that putting Ryan O'Hearn on the field every day isn't because he's awesome? Uh yes, that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I've got a question though. Uh, so all the rage is talking about throwing Mondesi out in center field and seeing what he can do. Yesterday, prior to the game, they're talking about doing warmups and Mondesi was playing at third base. That was intriguing to me because you're talking about potentially trying to protect him from himself, <laughs> more or less. He could do that a whole lot better at third base than he could in center field, right? Yeah. Am I, am I a dumb dumb for for No, that makes that sense. That's, that's logical to me. The only problem with putting him at third base is all these other guys that they want to get up here. Emmanuel Rivera, Hunter full-time DH. Huh? Maybe he's just a full-time DH. Like I feel like sometimes we get like with Byron Buxton, we get so caught up in how good he is defensively, like we just got to have him out there. Well, he keeps getting freaking hurt. Like quit putting him out there. If he, if he can't stay healthy, but he's your best hitter, that's what the DH is. I mean, theoretically, four is a guy that is your best hitter and can't play defense. It's not that Mondesi isn't physically good enough, but he can't play defense and stay healthy. Make him your full-time DH. I know it's, like, counterintuitive, but I kind of like what they're doing tonight. DH him. I don't hate that idea. That well, makes a lot have- of sense to me. And then you can, he, he doesn't have to play every day. You can sit him. You know, uh, once a series or so, uh, or maybe play him in def- play him in the field once a series or so, and let Salvi DH. Give him the Shohei Otani role. Role. Make him pitch. No, I mean <laughs> yes, obviously he could do that, but DH 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 rest shortstop. DH 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 rest shortstop. Well, Joel, you tell obviously. me. Would you rather have Mondesi as your DH, Vinny P as your first baseman, with Nick Prado? Kyle Isbell and Andrew Benintendi in the outfield, or would you rather have Adalberto Mondesi on the IL 100 times, 100 games out of the year, because he can't stay healthy, and then now you have Vinny P at DH, and you got the defense straight. I mean, would you rather would you sacrifice some defense if Mondesi could be your DH all the time? Sure, and honestly, at a certain point, like if you get Mondesi for 90 games a year, 90 95 games a year, you want to make him literally the most valuable bench player in all of baseball (laughs) like honestly would not shock me next year if Mondesi plays let's go best case scenario 95 to 100 games he legit puts up a four war season because that's just what he does in like nine games this year he was almost worth one win 
And that's with like a three game spurt hurt, like hurt three games, hurt six games, hurt. If he managed, like, if you can manage, like put him on a, a pitch count, so to speak, and you play him two to three times a week, DH, third, short, whatever you want to, wherever you want to put him, throw him in the lineup, let him do his thing. And then he gets two to three days to rest where he plays again. You might actually keep him healthy and you have a dude that comes in immediately impacts your lineup and is probably going to be your third or fourth most valuable player on your team. He's got 0.7 F war in 10 games on the season prior to tonight. So you multiply that he, times nine, that's 6.3 war. Yes. Yeah, he could legit be a three and a half or four win player playing 90 <laughs> games, which is just absurd because you can extrapolate that over a full season, but we know we're not going to get Mavisi for a full season. Yeah. It's just, it is not going to happen. So <laughs> the Royals need to find a way to modify it his schedule and find ways to keep him healthy and keep him on the roster because you see the impact he has. It's why you can't games like tonight and the things he can do are why you don't give up on Alberto Mondesi. You just can't because the impact he has is so great when he actually plays. I think we can apply all this equally to Ryan O'Hearn. <laughs> can we bring Lucas Duda back, please? For the it's, leadership, the leadership. <laughs> It's a the veteran, veteran presence. Veteran, pre- that was it. The veteran presence, not leader. The veteran presence. Veteran presence, by the way, on a team with Salvador Perez and with Merrifield and 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 and. Um, they bring back Danny Duffy. I swear, the reason that they do this. Okay, so we know that Cal Eldred and Mike Matheny are hunting buddies. I have a sneaking suspicion that Ryan O'Hearn is kind of in that group. Let's say that Lucas Duda was that way with. Was he with Yost or Matheny? Yost. Yost. Okay. If you're <clears throat> Ned Yost and Mike Matheny and you let your hunting buddies go and be unemployed during baseball season, I hate to break it to you guys who don't hunt, but baseball season runs into hunting into bow season a little bit. You're going to let your buddies get a head start on you? I don't think so. So that's Mike Matheny's genius secret here is by having Cal Eldred in the dugout with him, Cal Eldred can't be the first one with Brown on the ground because Cal Eldred can't be sitting in a tree if he has to coach the Royals pitchers. There's not a person on this earth that is just just hoping that a pitching staff turns it around than Cal Eldred. Just give him enough time to get to this to this wave of pitchers, and he'll be set for life if he could just ride it just a little bit longer. Oh, I was talking about hunting, and now I'm thinking about Bubba Starling. <laughs> is he still – Alive? He hasn't started a game since getting back from the Olympics. Is that? I I really do. I really my my honest belief. I know people like, oh, he got a concussion. I was like, it's been a month and a half. I really believe. (laughs) I really do believe his probably was looking at it, going, "Man, I'm going to go out there. If we win gold, I'll retire. That's going to be my walk off into the sunset." They win the silver medal. He comes home with a concussion. Hey, man, you've been paid. You're you've been in the system long enough to have a pension. Take your silver medal, take your World Series ring, go away so we can be done with the headache that was Bubba Starling. <laughs> I, I really do believe he'll he'll announce his retirement at the end of the season. Um, oh. he, may, he may appear again sometime this year, but I really do think at the end of the season he'll announce he's going to retire. What I would do if I was him riding those AAA buses for however much longer, and he's not getting back to the big leagues. It's not happening. Yeah, and by the way, so, having received a check for seven and a half million dollars exactly. on, on he, those buses, no. he, he he's not getting what he's getting in the minor leagues ain't worth anything because he's already got money. 
He's already got all the money he needs for the rest of his life. There ain't no reason to be uncomfortable. He he gave it his all. He made it to the big leagues for a little bit. And and I if I was him, I'd say, you know what? I got my money. I I made it to the big leagues for a half a minute and I sucked and I ain't going back. I'm I don't need to do this anymore to myself. I'm gonna go play football in Nebraska. Right. <laughs> Still eligible. And he is still needs it. Just, Holy just, crap, oh my need god! <laughs> Can you imagine Scott, Scott Frost, Frost brings in Bubba Starling to save his job? Ooh. If Holy you ever Hail need to Mary. cry, if you ever need to cry, just go look at the 2011 draft and look what happened after the Royals. Stop! Stop! I'm gonna mute. You keep doing that. I don't. I don't. I don't. That's not a thing I compete anymore. No, that for my 2011 draft is a myth. It's fairy dust. <laughs> it doesn't exist. I thought you were going to say, if you want to cry, just go watch KU football. Or Nebraska football. That oh, makes Nebraska. me cry happy here as a Mizzou fan. Do you know how happy it makes me as a Mizzou fan to watch Nebraska suck? I was at – so, mm. and when uh, Chase Daniel was a junior, that year he almost won the Heisman. He was at in New York for the Heisman ceremony. Um, Mizzou had their gold rush game, and they hosted Nebraska and beat them like 42 to nothing. Mm-hmm. I was at that game. Maybe at the time the happiest I'd ever been in my life watching Nebraska <laughs> just get there. You know what's pounded into the ground over and over and over. There was a time when the gold rush, we uh, the the student section, the fans were doing the wave, and so the whole stadium is gold with a little red Nebraska section. So they're doing the wave, cheering, cheering, cheering. They get to the Nebraska section. Of course, nobody's doing the wave, and the whole stadium boos. Yep. And as soon as the gold started doing the wave again, yeah. It was, I mean, I was probably like in seventh grade and just had the time of my life. Living the dream. So watching Nebraska suck has been like one of the joys of my life uh, lately. I had a buddy who told me Scott Frost was going to take him back to the, to the playoff. You got to have hope, man. I mean, that's, that's as Royals fans, we can relate with that. You (laughs) got to be able to wake up in the morning. Hope's a hell of a drug, man. Hell of a drug. Yep. Okay, we've been at it for a while now. I'm sure there's nobody else listening. So, really quick, <laughs> I want to, I want to, Jeremy, I want to ask you this question: Who is your favorite bad Royal that got way too much playing time, way too many opportunities in their career since he'd been a Royals fan? Oh gosh, crap! <laughs> uh, you guys can't take the same player. Oh no, Ryan O'Hearn is actually a guy I really liked. <laughs> But I think my favorite uh, is going to be Aaron Gael. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very good. I, I'm a big fan of that. Though I, at, I remember thinking at the time that Aaron Gael didn't get enough of an opportunity. Yeah. I know. I remember I was always constantly, this was when I was really into the, the baseball video games, and I was constantly like, Where's my Aaron Gael to put in my lineup? Why why isn't he included? So we got Aaron. I'm going to give you Aaron Guile there. So uh, Josh K, you get to pick any bad Royals player in this draft really quick. Who's your favorite bad Royals player that got way too many opportunities? Oh, see, the caveat of way too many opportunities is kind of screwing me up here. I thought. Mike Jacobs was going to be the truth when he came over that season. <laughs> he got 478 plate appearances coming off a 32 home run season, uh, 108 OPS plus, but they didn't have anything going on in 2009. Nothing. 
nothing doing in 2009. But I, I thought Mike Jacobs was going to be the truth. And I'm pretty sure it was that before or after. It was that like the – it was like Ryan Healy, Mike Jacobs, and uh, somebody somebody else was like, okay, that's the next one. He's going to be the next power hitter. But Mike, Mike Jacobs was the first one to break my heart. So I'd, I'd got to go with Mike Jacobs. Joel? Oh, yeah, yeah. Junieski Betancourt. You <laughs> rat bastard. That was going to be my pick. As far as, like, getting too many opportunities, that's the that's the poster child. Well, so, and the so gold standard. Great so born twice. Yeah. So, I, I, so, as many – if listeners know, or you guys know, I grew up a Seattle Mariners fan. Like, that was my first love was Seattle Mariners baseball. I, my dad's a Royals fan, so I liked the Royals, too, and living in Kansas City for as long as I have has shifted some of that fandom. But I still ride or die with, with the Mariners. First and was foremost, that a, was that a Ken Griffey Jr. thing or was that like a so my first game? I was not even three years old. It was in the old King, it was in the Kingdom two weeks before they opened Safeco. My mm-hmm. first game was Mariners Giants. So I got A Rod, Griffey, Buner, Edgar Martinez, and Barry Bonds. My first oh, base, and Dan Wilson, my first baseball game. But we lived out in Seattle. We lived out in Seattle when Unieski Betancourt made his big league debut and was the everyday shortstop for some god awful seattle mariners baseball teams and when he and then he comes to the the royals in 09 i was like yeah i get to watch my guy again and yeah he was and now looking back i'm like why did i ever think this dude was anything good it was it never made looking back i'm like what was i thinking is it cheating if i say omar infante (laughs) see that i mean that's the same lines yeah that's along the same lines he did get way too many opportunities. Uh, yeah, he did. Well, he was at least like actually good defensively. Like you could at least like make an argument. There's a reason. He and he and Escobar had that that gold glove highlight or whatever Ooh. on ESPN yeah. Twitter for like forever until they cheated because they had the fan vote and the, and they kept winning the fan vote. They had to shut it down. Yeah, they had to retire it. It's either Omar Infante or Jeff Francoeur for me. Jeff Francoeur, I remember when he came over from the Braves. The only thing, because I was still, like in 2000, what was it, 2009, 2010, something like that, maybe even 2011, I was a huge baseball fan but didn't understand, like, the inner workings of baseball all the way yet. I mean, I was high school, right? So when Jeff Francoeur came over, I knew he had had some good years at the Braves, cannon for an arm, hit some home runs, and then – the SI article, how could anyone be this good? <laughs> like looking like, I don't know how freezing cold takes like that's not their like banner photo on Twitter. Jeff Francoeur, how could anyone be this good? Yeah. And then his first year with the Royals, he hit like 45 doubles or something stupid. Yep. Like I thought Jeff Francoeur was the coolest guy around. And then I heard, I will tell you guys a story off air. One of the funniest stories I have ever heard about like a baseball player, just like as how they are as a person about Jeff Rancourt, which made me love him even more. Okay. So I like, I, I, I like I've him. Heard, he seems like a good dude. So I'm, I would be a little bit upset if he, well, yeah, I've, so, I've heard nothing but good things about him personally. Yeah. yeah just like, know, as a human being. This, this does not make him any less of a good person, but it is also something I can't say on the podcast, okay. <laughs> which, is going to, which is going to make you love him even more. So if you can combine those two things, like you got it, you just gotta have some personality to you. We've been going on. Jeffrey Gore had an 805 OPS and 119 OPS plus that first year yeah. at Kansas City with 47 doubles. I forgot how good he was that year. He had a ton of outfield assists too, didn't he? 
Yeah. I remember there, I think I went to a game in 2011 with one of my dad's friends. My dad was deployed at the time. So my, one of my dad's colleagues took me to a game and I remember it was, and it was a Mariners Royals game and Michael Saunders is on first base and he's ball hit to right field. He's trying to go first to third. Frenchie hadn't even gotten the ball yet. I'm like, Oh, he's out. And sure enough, I mean, he's out by 15 feet. Like it wasn't even yeah. close. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's just what he did. He had a canon. He and Jose Guillen. Oh, no. <laughs> Another Royals Mariners legend, Jose Guillen. Yeah, yeah. He who shall not be named. Okay, I could do this all night. Guys, I appreciate you joining me. We'll be back again sometime in the next seven or eight days to do something hopefully more productive than this was. Hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back again next week.